RPC Radio. Hello, and welcome to Money Covered, a podcast from RPC, aimed at those dealing with complaints and claims in the financial services sector. I'm Ash Daniels, the host of this podcast, and each month we'll discuss topical issues of relevance to those dealing with complaints and claims against FCA-regulated entities, TPR-regulated entities, as well as offshore professionals and accountants. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening, thank you for joining us today. Today I'm joined by David Allenson to discuss one of the emerging risks that we are seeing in the team, and that's equity release. Now, David, I'm always slightly hesitant to give you free reign, knowing how random you can be, I guess. But how are you today? And the correct I'm, answer I'm is fine. you're excited to discuss equity release. Oh, yes, of course. I'm always, dis- always excited to discuss an emerging risk. And how are you? Ash and I were actually off um, in London seeing some clients yesterday and came back at a very sensible time. So I think we're both, it's fair to say, feeling quite fresh and ready to go today. I certainly yeah. am. I'd almost say I'm slightly smug that I feel as well as I did. I didn't expect to, so that's always quite nice. Um, but I, it feels slightly like we're travelling back in time today, so back to a time of Care Bears, Scott and Charlene, or Jason and Kylie, if you prefer, um, and eating marshmallows and cereal was socially acceptable, and uh, I'm looking at you, Lucky Charms. Um, but the reason for my trip down memory lane is that, as I've mentioned, we're discussing claims relating to equity release. Um, now, these were widely complained about in the late 80s, early 90s, um, but they're seeing a bit of a comeback as a product. Um, so I guess starting with a million pound question, David, what exactly is equity release? Mm, it's interesting seeing things come back from the 80s. I'm hoping for a return from decent action films, which I kind of grew up on, and potentially hair metal, but I think that's relatively unlikely to happen. So I'll just have to live in the past a little bit in that sense. But anyway, equity release, in simple terms, it's a way that a borrower can release capital from their home without having to move or sell. And there's broadly two types that I'll run through fairly quickly. The first, which is the most common, is a lifetime mortgage. Under that, money is borrowed and secured against the borrower's property. And generally, you won't have to make any monthly payments. The interest on the loan is then rolled up and compounded. And if you do wish to repay it, then either when you decide to sell the property or potentially your estate on death when they have to repay the loan when the house is sold, it can be done via a lump sum at that point. Or during the course of the loan, you can make installments to pay off that capital sum borrowed if you want to or to cover the interest. The second type, which is less common, are home reversion plans. Under these, you will sell all or part of the property and you'll receive a lump sum along with a a lifetime lease so that you can stay in the property for life. As with a lot of what we do, this is regulated by the FCA and borrowers who take out such loans can complain to the FOS. And Chapter 8 of the Mortgage Conduct of Business Rules, MCOBS, is the one that applies to the sale of equity release mortgages. There's also oversight by an organization called the Equity Release Council, which is a voluntary body that aims to ensure members act with integrity and transparency. There's some overarching principles that they have, which their members have to abide by, along with some rules and product standards as well. So that's equity release in a nutshell. And an excellent nutshell it was. Thank you, David. Um, So you mentioned the FCA there. How do they tend to view equity release? Are they fans? Because, you know, it's not necessarily inherently a bad product. It's just dependent upon the circumstances of the individuals, I guess. Yeah, absolutely not. It's certainly not inherently a bad product. The FCA 
takes an interesting view on this. So they published some findings on equity release in June 2020, which stressed the impact that this kind of loan can have on a borrower's long-term financial well-being, which is undoubtedly true. It certainly can if you're borrowing a large amount of capital against your property later in life. But they did graciously note that if proper advice was given, such loans could allow customers to repay existing mortgages, consolidate debt, and potentially fund that all-important early retirement that we're all looking forward to. Some good outcomes that were noted with these types of loans could be long-term fixed interest rates, which were absolutely great in 2020. As at 2023, I'm very much hoping that interest rates will decrease in the long term, so maybe a long fix isn't as good an idea. And the FCA also noted that these types of loans can unlock wealth from what might be the only real asset that people might have, and there's no need to then make monthly repayments, which is great. But as you could predict, Ash, they also did point to some potentially poor outcomes. So first one, and the main one probably being that being able to repay these loans early might be unaffordable for borrowers. So if you're in a position where you're borrowing against your property anyway, it's unlikely albeit not impossible that a few years down the line, if you change your mind and you want to sell that property without penalty, that you could then stump up enough capital to do that. Other concerns included younger customers not being told of their borrowing options. So a traditional mortgage, if you're in your 50s and still earning, might be more appropriate where you pay off the capital and it is a bit more flexible, potentially cheaper. And if you think about it, even if you're coming up to around 60, that's still fairly young to be borrowing a chunk of money against your property when you might be living in it for another 30 years. There was also a focus on the short-term benefit of these. So if you're saving money in the short term by paying off other debt, that might be great, but the long-term rolling up of the interest could mean that you're paying more in the longer term. And that ties in obviously with the consumer duty, which comes into force on the 31st of July, uh, which won't have retrospective effects. But anyway, going forwards, you can't prioritize a short-term benefit. They also raised the potential for high early repayment charges on these loans. So that's going to be particularly an issue if your circumstances change, you want to move maybe to be closer to family or to pay for long-term care or to downsize. So in general, I think it's fair to say that the findings were mixed, but there were three real key areas of concerns that they identified beyond this. So this is with the advice itself and um, the files they reviewed. They picked up on insufficient personalization of advice. The reasons why you might want to borrow against your property are many and varied, and you need to understand as an advisor what the motivations and requirements are for your customers. It might not be a good idea for some, and some issues that were identified were a similar approach being taken, for example, to a customer in their 50s who was still working, as I mentioned earlier, as opposed to a retiree who was on a fixed income, or using equity release to pay off debts that had low interest rates or short, were of a short-term nature. So arguably not necessary to be taking capital out of your home or customers with surplus income or other financial considerations, not being told to use those funds to repay debt or whatever it might be, or to utilize them instead of accessing equity. The second area of concern was an insufficient challenge of the assumptions. So it looks appealing being able to access big wads of cash, let's be honest. Yeah, I think we would all consider that would be a very attractive option, especially in the current climate. Absolutely. As we'll come to later, that certainly is something which can can prompt these. But it might not be the right option and it might need to be challenged. In terms of challenging assumptions, if you have surplus income and you're looking for equity release, why not suggest then that they might want to make monthly payments on that to decrease the capital value of the loan and pay off the interest? Again, short-term benefit would be not making those payments, but the long-term benefit if you have surplus income could be increased. They also highlighted a lack of evidence to support the suitability of advice. So generic text being used in uh, advice letters, 
setting out why the borrower didn't want to consider alternatives. And as you know, the FCA tends to rail against tick box exercises and they want the customer's voice to be heard in the file. So why did they want to do this? How were those assumptions challenged and so forth? Always a good idea to record those sort of facts with any advice process. And if you're using template wording for any advice letter, you're potentially in breach of principle seven. So not communicating in a way that's clear, fair, and not misleading. And that, again, post 31st of July will also possibly be putting you in breach of the consumer duty. They warned firms in their business plan for 2022 to 2023, which was published in April of last year, that it was considering what steps it needed to ensure that this market was working well. And they'll be following up on that and considering findings about poor quality of advice. And when I was last on, I discussed the thematic review of retirement income advice. And that's going to tie in with work on lifetime mortgages. Excellent. Thank you, David. Um, so we have seen a few complaints previously. And as I mentioned at the outset, it's yeah, something that's been happening for decades. But just very quickly, who are the complaints typically made against in your experience? Is it normally the, the sort of companies facilitating the equity release? Is it financial advisors? Again, I think I mentioned this on the um, drawdown thing. It's, it's often the advisors who take the brunt of this when when something goes the way a customer's not anticipating. So that is the person who would tend to, I think, be hit with it. And again, a bit like pension drawdown, taking equity release is very tempting. Uh, I'm going to quiz you actually now. Do you remember what the average size of the defined contribution pension was when we last discussed the drawdown point? Yeah, of course I do. Um, But I'm not going to spoil it. So I'm going to let you tell us because I definitely haven't forgotten. I believe you. It was about £106,000. Well, I knew it. So relatively... I, I know you did. Relatively low for retirement if you're looking at a period of maybe 30 years. But do you know what the average house price is in the UK as of uh, February this year? I'm, I'm going to cut this if it's really bad. Um, 350? You're not far off. It's it's actually 285,000. So okay. And the reason why I do this, I'm not just quizzing you on on um, your knowledge of house prices and pensions, but it's this shows the temptation. I think if you've got a pension that's worth around 100,000 and a house that's worth approaching 300,000, you can see why that could be a big part of what could contribute to retirement income, which just makes, again, uh, equity release very tempting, as I've said. It's the sort of temptation, I guess. It's sort of, you know, there's the cases where it's just literally helping you survive and also the cases where, you know, you're trying to enjoy life. But what are the sort of complaints typically allege you know, are there sort of any systemic problems that we see and then what do people typically complain about with these cases? Yeah, I agree. There's broadly potential for complaints in two areas, but just you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. I'm sorry. I think there's generally a big difference, that's fine, between borrowing to meet living costs, which is what you might be seeing as a result of the financial issues that society's facing at the moment with increased energy prices, uh, whatever it might be, as opposed to using that money to to enjoy life, exactly as you said. And this really just shows how an advisor will need to know their customer and know what the reasons are and have their voice in that file. But anyway, the first area where you could really see complaints emerging is if the circumstances of that borrower change. So if you want to move, downsize, whatever it might be, or you need to sell the property for long-term care, having such a loan might make it difficult, particularly if that's been rolling interest up for a number of years and it's eroding the value of the property. There could be early repayment charges, for example, which would be frustrating if you needed to sell it. And similarly, we're at a point now where house prices are at or slightly below, I think, their historic peak. But if we see them drop significantly in future, then obviously the equity cushion that you would have in a property that you'd borrowed against is going to shrink significantly. 
on the plus side it means my kids might be able to buy a house of their own one day which as much as i love having them around i don't really want them living here when they're 50 what a scrooge <laughs> sorry I, yeah <laughs> yeah i'll take that uh i'll move on to my second potential areas of complaints before i complain about my kids anymore but the other issue which might arise is, as I mentioned, this can decrease and will decrease the value of the estate when it's passed on. And you could see the estate of a borrower bringing claims later on. Again, if there's that big decrease in house prices and the legacy is less than expected, especially if they weren't aware of that, it could cause them to ask questions. I've got to say, I think if my mum borrowed massively against her property to go off on some wild adventure, I'd just think, bravo, mum, good for you. Well, exactly. But, I think we, you know, I've seen a, an example before where it was a case where the estate didn't know that the individual had taken money out of the house and then all of a sudden kind of thought, well, you know, they didn't tell us, so therefore there must be, you know, something's being hidden. Um, so, yeah, it can cause a lot of sort of anger, I think, as well. It's quite a personal thing. Mm. And you can see why that would impact people. And I think, again, this is why it needs to be very clear on why people want the money and challenging it and just seeing what their reasons for it are. And also another thing which ties in with that is protecting against scams. As you know, they're rife at the moment. You get the TPR often noting red flags uh, with pension transfers, pension switches. And it's a similar thing with equity release, particularly if a customer does have characteristics of vulnerability that you need to be asking those questions to ensure that they're going to be using the money for something which is going to benefit them and not potentially paying it to a fraudster. So as I mentioned, we've spoken before that it happened in the 80s, and I think it's quite an emotive subject. So there was quite a lot of anger about it, and there was a lot of sort of media kind of publicity about equity release and, and why it's so bad. Um, so why is it happening again now? And I think that's sort of slightly a two-part question. So why have we seen an increase in the use of the products again, the sort of popularity? Um, and also, why are we sort of having more complaints? And I guess, you know, they go one in the same because if it's being taken out more and if people are using the products more it's bound to be more complaints well i think the cost of living crisis is certainly contributing to this uh, as we know ash correlation is not causation but the uptick in the numbers of these products being taken out does roughly follow the cost of living crisis which has been going on for i think over a year now i don't know whether i think that's gone quickly or slowly it's been a very long time yeah i guess so i mean i'd like to say hopefully we're nearly at the beginning of the end but just to give you some some more statistics I do like statistics. An article in the Financial Times from May stated that equity release, the value of loans overall, jumped by 28% to $5.2 billion in 2022 for the over 60s. So we don't know, obviously, on looking at that broad figure, what the money's being used for, but could be tying in with the cost of living crisis. And the other thing to remember is with house prices being so high, as we discussed earlier, it means there is potentially a bigger store of value in people's property. The risk being that we're potentially looking at a correction, as they call it, in house prices. So you can then question whether or not now is a good time to borrow against it. But again, that's very dependent on the customer's circumstances in particular position. I mean, the other concern uh, which could be leading to complaints is the interest rates are increasing. We've gone through a period now of around about 10 or 11 years, well, up to last year where interest rates were at historic lows. And they're increasing on residential mortgages as well as on equity release mortgages. So the average interest rate on an equity release mortgage is now 6.17%, which is up from 4.8% in May 2022. Uh, it's still actually down from the uh, pre the, act the the peak of this was in November 22 when rates reached 8%. It's almost as if something happened to spook the market at that point. Yeah, I can't imagine what that was. 
one thing which ties into this is that the average sum being released has actually decreased. So in uh, 2022, in around November, the sum being borrowed on an average equity release loan was 133,000, but that dropped to 61,000 in the first quarter of 2023. And that could be in response to rising interest rates. So people borrowing less so that less interest is going to be rolled up on it. So that potentially uh, high interest rates, rates increasing, that's something which potentially could lead to complaints, but probably not at this point in time. It's going to be longer tail than that. Uh, the other thing which could potentially be driving this forward in future is the FCA's concerns. If they decide to look into in detail to perhaps do a full thematic review on this particular area of later life lending, then that will probably be leading to past business reviews and certainly complaints and claims going to the ombudsman. I mean, interestingly, though, the number of products on the markets dropped by over 50% since the mini budget. So there were 597 uh, equity release products in September 22, but now there are 264 on the market, which could be showing some caution, perhaps, on the part of equity release lenders. So, as I've mentioned before, it's not an inherently bad product. So I guess it's quite a tricky one for insurers. You know, we've spoken before about defined benefit transfers and, you know, it's typically they're not great. So it's easier for insurers to kind of take a bit of a blanket approach to them and say, right, well, you know, we'll put a higher excess or we'll exclude them or all of these different things. But it's more difficult for a product like this that, you know, isn't inherently bad. Um, so is there anything that insurers can be doing or should be looking out for going forward? Is there anything they can be doing? There's certainly some things that they could be looking out for if they were coming to kind of assess a book for risk. So was the advisor looking at whether there were other perhaps cheaper borrowing options available to the borrower, maybe a conventional mortgage, for example? The broker, as I've mentioned before, a big thing will need to be clear on what the sums were needed for just in case there is a scam or just them potentially doing something irresponsible with the money. And you need to be very careful of customers who might have characteristics of vulnerability. So again, particularly after the the uh, consumer duty comes into force, that's that's a key thing in that in general. So those are things to watch out for, along with uh, standardized advice processes, not getting a full understanding of the aims and objectives, that kind of thing. And it's going to be interesting to see how this ties in with the consumer duty as well. So post 31st of July, you're going to need to be making it very obvious in your files that you're considering the um, consumer principle along with those cross-cutting rules and the outcomes. And insurers should be seeing evidence of that when they come to look at uh, books on renewal or uh, for new clients. And you mentioned earlier the complaints volumes. There are complaints out there yet uh, at the moment, but I, I really think that there's a few things that would prompt this to kick off in greater numbers. First thing could be a significant drop in house prices when people start to question why they took out these kind of sums on what are currently quite high interest rates. Similarly, if there's a sharp decrease in interest rates, someone might look to argue that they shouldn't have been told to take out the kind of sums of money they did. I mean, particularly if you were borrowing at 8% back in November, you might be slightly aggrieved that there's a 25% reduction to the rates that are available now. And then obviously the final thing is if there is a large-scale investigation into this market by the FCA. And interestingly, the FOS's business plan for 2022 to 2023 anticipates that there will be an increase in mortgage claims, which could be including equity release. Speaking of the FOS, that allows me to segue into mentioning our new column that we're writing with PLC about the financial ombudsman. It's called the... We have a new column, David. Tell us more. We do indeed. It's, um, it's going to be discussing ombudsman final decisions and trends that we're seeing. And it's called the financial ombudsman service column, FOS covered from RPC and PLC. So if you're a subscriber, you can access that 
And the reason for the segue and why I can mention it without just shamelessly promoting it here is that that's um, the most recent edition of that. The first one, in fact, has just been published and we discuss some decisions on equity release mortgages there. So uh, I think that's worth a read. Excellent. I mean, that genuinely wasn't planned. Um, so, you know, listeners, if you if you think that sounded smooth, then we covered it well. So well done. So sorry, David, how can people access that just so if it's, it's in partnership with PLC? It's for PLC subscribers. So if you have a PLC subscription, uh, you can go on there and search for Financial Ombudsman Service uh, RPC Falls Covered. Excellent. I'm sure listeners will be rushing to do that now. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time today, David. Um, always interesting to kind of get a bit of a, a head scope on the uh, emerging risks that we're seeing in the team. So very much appreciated. And for listeners at home, David is now playing with his microphone because he thinks that his job is done, but I'm going to embarrass him. We were talking about the headphones earlier because we sometimes do this in the office where we've got our big fancy mics, but Ash and I are both working from home today and I asked him if the standard headphones we use were okay. And he said, not if it's a Britney headphone. And I wasn't quite sure if the one I'm using is or isn't a Britney headphone, but Ash has seen Britney live, so he would know that. But I, I have. I, I did. It was a very expensive time to see someone mime. Um, but, <laughs> but I loved every minute. Um, that's what's important. I mean, that's what you should be using your equity release money for as well. It's something that's going to enhance your life. Exactly. It was in the VIP area because I'd just got my qualified job at RPC, gosh, almost six years ago now. And I just thought, yeah, let's treat myself. But um, in hindsight, it would have been better to spend my money on something else. But no, no, you can't put, can't put a price on memories like that, Ash. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you very much, David. Um, and no doubt we will have you back on again soon. RPC Radio. Radio. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us again next month when we'll be discussing the hot topics in the financial services sector please do click to subscribe and be sure to check out our other RPC publications at rpc.co.uk forward slash perspectives. Finally, many thanks to today's guests as well as everyone behind the scenes at RPC that make this podcast possible. 